Innovative Disruptors The Innovative Disruptors Podcast The Innovative Raptors Podcast Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the ID Podcast. Jose Zavale here, CEO of ZTX Advisors, President of Latinx Trading Centers, and your favorite podcast host. <laughs> so uh, we are here today with Catherine, who is just the bombest trademark lawyer. So Catherine, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, no, I'm really glad. Thank you for taking the time. I know you're extremely busy. And this is a topic that's really important, especially for those of you that have brands and you're building out your brand online. This conversation is going to be just, I don't know if there's a better way to say important. I think important is the strongest thing I can go without adding some cuss words at the beginning and then like lightning and, you know, fireworks to let people know, like, <laughs> listen. So, Catherine, tell us a little bit about yourself and your history, please. Sure. So I work with a firm called Dickinson Law Offices. Um, so we handle intellectual property law and business law. And I kind of fell into intellectual property law. So I originally wanted to be a doctor when I was younger. And I had no eyes for anything else. That's what I wanted. I got into college and I started shadowing some doctors. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I hate this. I don't like this at all. <laughs> so I had this biology degree that I didn't know what to do with and decided to go to law school and found what patent law is. So patent law, you have to have a science background anyways. So I started taking some special courses and honestly, I just kind of fell in love with intellectual property. It's such a strategic and cool area of the law that I think a lot of people overlook and a lot of people don't realize the true value behind what it can have. But honestly, I feel very lucky that I get to do this and I get to help people realize the true value of their company beyond what they may have thought. And it's been a good time. I really enjoy it. Nice. That's awesome. You know, that's funny you say that because for me, I started off as an electrical engineer. Why? Really? Oh, yeah. Um, part was my dad kind of pushing me to do engineering. Part of it was I've got a math and engineering mind, but not electrical. Oh, transistors, resistors. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I remember going into my engineering 101 class and they're just like, OK, one of our projects was we have to connect a robot to make it go down like this wiggly line. And I remember just looking at this stuff with my mouth wide open, like, what the heck? And I actually was with a buddy of mine from college. I mean, from high school, we had gone up to college, not together, but, you know, we ended up going at the same school and we were taking the same classes and he was all about it. So I remember I was like, hey, Jacob, can I be your partner? And we got first place in the little competition to get the car through the maze the fastest, but I barely passed the class. And I was like, nope, this is not for me. <laughs> I think I, I remember that competition. That was really fun. <laughs> the cars through the race and all yeah. that. Yeah. So it was uh, not for me. And I'll be honest with you. It took me a long time to find accounting. I jumped around. I did a math degree for the longest time. And then I was told, and I'm, to this day, I'm still upset about it, that the only thing I could do with a math degree is be a teacher. Now I find out there's so much more you can do with it. But oh, yeah. I was told all you can do is just be a high school teacher. And I was like, I don't want to just be a high school teacher. 
you know, nothing wrong with it. It's just that wasn't what I wanted to do. And I was like, nah. So stumbled upon accounting, you know, two things guaranteed in life are death and taxes. (laughs) Here we are, you know. Oh, gosh, I know. I've heard that phrase a lot recently. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, why yeah. it keeps coming up. Someone's trying to tell me something. But, you know. <laughs> so, no, I, and now you get to create your own career. That's awesome, too. Like, you get to create your own schedule and do your own thing, which I just admire so much. I think you've made a really cool career path for yourself. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's been a struggle. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. It's been hard, but it's been very fulfilling and a lot of fun, especially when you get off a client call and they're like, thank you so much. Like, it's been so easy working with you and you make our life a lot easier. That to me, I get off the call and I'm like, yes, and they're flexing like, yeah, you know, kind of helps whenever you do mess up and the client's like, you know, what the heck and gets all mad. So, (laughs) no, I don't care if I get yelled at or have a terrible day or a week or a month. If I get one client that comes in and they're like, you have helped me understand this. Oh, it just makes me feel so good. Right? Yeah. And I mean, it, it's that giving, it's that giving and that serving attitude, which is why I think that whenever we first connected, that's what I feel like I connected the most with you was you had the same giving and serving kind of mentality as well, Aww. you know, like, and it's very hard to find that. Cause let's be real. A lot of people are out for money. And you, of course, rightfully so. I mean, you know, we, we don't work for free. Free doesn't put food on the table. Right. But there's one thing to work for free and there's one thing to serve. And when your primary purpose is serving, at least for me, I've realized the money comes. And a lot easier than having to chase it if you're focusing on nothing but the money. And you let me know, have you experienced that as well with you, with your career or no? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's interesting. You never know. So we work with a ton of startups and small businesses. You never know who's going to make it big or who's going to end up being your biggest client. I think my biggest client right now is someone that I never expected would be where they are right now. You know, like it's, it's about these people that are hungry and want to make a change in their industries and want to really work towards these. They've got huge minds and huge goals and Mm -hmm. all I can do is support it. I don't know enough. I'm not a creative person. That's why my job is to help creative people support what they're building (laughs) And all I can do is just be there for them and help them along the way with the legal side of stuff. And I get to sit back and watch them grow. So if I didn't have that passion, I think a lot of people in my industry, if you're in business for any amount of time, I guarantee you have a lawyer horror story. We don't have a great reputation. No one likes attorneys. No one wants to deal with us. You know, (laughs) we're not known as the fun bunch, but it's really rewarding to me to be able to see people that are starting from a place grow and without that passion I would just be the lawyer that no one likes that's billing you by the hour (laughs) billing you for every phone call and email and we try really hard at my firm to not be those people because that's not what you need when you're trying to build something that's the last thing you need so I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. Nobody knows this, but she's actually helping us with our brand and our trademark stuff and a lot of other things as well. And I can 100% co-sign on the fact that everything she just said is 100% true. She's not just pulling smoke up our butts to try to get you guys to call her. No, it is 100% legit. Like it has been the most amazing, just hands-off experience I've ever had. So for that, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, honestly, I'm so happy to hear that. 
Yeah, because I've <laughs> I've had two lawyers not call me back. I don't know how you don't call somebody back when they like begging to work with you and oh my god, nothing. Yeah. So enough of our relationship because we can sure. talk about that all day. I feel like, or at least I can keep hyping you up, which I don't mind. I want the audience to know, (laughs) (laughs) and primarily, so we work with a lot of fitness coaches, okay, and these fitness coaches have online brands. A lot of them, is they're building very successful brands online, but as we're getting in front of them and talking to a lot of them, what I realize is none of them have that brand protected. So first off, let's talk about protecting your brand. Why should you even protect your brand? That's a really good question. So I think that goes to the importance of a trademark and you kind of have to look at why even get one. So there's, there's a few major benefits to actually having a trademark and what a trademark is, is a word, phrase, slogan, logo, design that identifies the source of goods or services and helps distinguish it from others. And the distinguishing it from others is kind of the key part of that. I mean, that's how you let people know, like if it's Coca-Cola versus Pepsi, you know the difference and they both have a trademark and that is what they're presenting. Your trademark is your brand and it's a really, really effective communication tool. It's letting the whole world know not only who you are, it can also be used to send a message to people, send a message on what type of company you are. If you're more formal or informal, think of the way a logo is designed. If it's a more of an informal design, that is something that people could maybe get on board with. They're like, I don't want the stuffy people up here. I like this. I like your brand. I like your feel. This is what I want. So it's that communication tool that's really key. More importantly, it's an asset. You trade on this name. So a trademark is a property asset. It is something that will appreciate in value over time. As your business grows, the brand grows and the value of your brand grows as well. It's something that you can maybe end up using as you can buy it, you can sell it, you can license it, you can even use it as a security interest on a loan. It is a value and it's something that you definitely wanna make sure you have on lock and that is ready to go as you grow. The reason being, a lot of bad things can happen if you don't have a trademark on lock. And what I mean by on lock is registered at a federal level. So when you start using the brand, you have what's called a common law trademark. And that's a trademark, but it's very limited. It's limited to a certain geographic region. And if you have someone else that registers at a national level, you may not be able to use it. So a really good example that I always think of is Burger King. So you may not know this, Burger King is not the original Burger King. There is actually a burger shop in Mattoon, Illinois, Mm -hmm. that started using the name Burger King before the national Burger King we all think of did. So Mm. we'll call them Big Burger King and Little Burger King. (laughs) So because Little Burger King started using that name first, they're what's called a senior user. So Big Burger King cannot actually open a store within 20 miles of Little Burger King. They also, Little Burger King cannot expand using that name. So when you have a trademark, it can really, it can really be a big deal down the line. It can prevent your expansion. It can help your expansion. Mm -hmm. Um, It's something that you want to make sure you're doing your due diligence for before you even start your company or name. Hard to communicate how important it is. It's really important. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, so I want to touch on a few things that you said there. One, it's an asset. So essentially, it's something that has holds actual monetary value. Yes. Which which is amazing because we do part of us, you know, we build our brands up while, while, yeah, we have our service, but our brand is something we're building up as well. And that's something which I didn't even know you could use it as collateral for a loan. Yeah. That, that is, that. wow. That, that just blew my mind. I didn't know that, which is why I'm glad I'm working with you. Cause you know, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still early in the game, but uh, you know, I want to get that locked down pretty pat, but Another thing, too, I want to touch on is it's an asset. The Burger King story. Little Burger King cannot expand outside of Big Burger King. And that, I mean, if they wanted to grow, they're kind of stuck, right? Because they would have to go to the places that there's no Big Burger King around if they wanted to do anything, correct? Exactly. Um, they'd either have to change their name or try to work something out with Big Burger King, which that would probably never happen. So question for you then, and I don't know if you I don't know if you're allowed to answer this or not. Let's say you have an asset, a digital asset. Let's say you create like a course and it's your name, you brand it, it's everything. Somebody comes in and essentially rips off your course, literally just changes up a few words here and there. Is that something that having this trademark can help protect you or is it more against people using that brand or is it more of a people can't go and say, use your brand to pretend like they're you or start their own things with your brand? So that would probably overlap with a few different areas of an actual property. For the trademark portion, if they're using your company brand, slogan, logo, or even the look and feel of your site, that could potentially be something that's actionable. Okay. And if you were using it first, you're what's called a senior user. Okay. And whoever's coming in later would be a junior user. So even if they're claiming that they didn't take it from you, you may still have superior rights. And those rights may be limited, like what happened with Little Burger King, if you haven't already gone for national registration with the United States Patent and Trademark Office. So it potentially you can go after them and that may be actionable. Where that would probably overlie more with is copyright law. Okay. And copyright law would be protecting your website, the um, images on the website, anything that you've created that's in a tangible work like that, like your blogs, your any writing on the website and things like that, that would mm -hmm. fall under copyright law. Also actionable, also registrable, and you definitely should be registering that as well, because that lets you, if you have to go after those people, get heightened damages in court, so... Copyright is even easier to get than trademark and okay. has a huge payout later on. But yeah, no, if you are building anything, if you have a course, especially, you want to make sure that you're kind of evaluating everything because there's multiple areas of intellectual property law that overlap. You want to make sure that you're protecting it adequately. So if someone does come in and take something that you've worked so hard on, you've put your heart and soul in, mm -hmm. you can just send them a cease and desist, basically send the receipts letters and say like, look, this is all of my stuff. I know you took it from me. And it's a lot easier if you have those registrations and receipts behind you to get them to stop. No, that makes perfect sense. And I mean, that's something really important, especially if your brand is out there and you're facing on social media and somebody could easily just literally copy and paste and start trying to essentially pretend to be you. Yeah. And so from what I'm hearing then, if there is any kind of, let's say, so like ZTX for me, so let's say somebody goes and takes my brand and starts operating, pretending to be me, 
and you know trying to get clients under my name if i am registered then i have the full authority to go essentially tell them they need to cut that out or there will be essentially ramifications in court correct exactly yeah that's going to be really Uh, important that's going to be really important especially for those that are building these brands these online brands you know because there is no like physical you know apple you've got an iphone or something you know but a lot of these are digital assets I feel like it's a lot harder to not protect, but it's easier to steal. Let me put it that way. No, it's, it's, the problem is it's easy to steal and it's easy to protect or it's difficult to protect. Um, mm. The whole Internet sphere is throwing the whole intellectual property law world kind of into a tizzy because it is <laughs> it is very hard to protect. But it's even harder to protect if you don't have these basic things in place. Intellectual property litigation is one of the most expensive types of litigation. It can go on for years. It costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. It is not something that you want to get into. So if there's any opportunity to cut it off early before you get to that stage, you want to take it because you just, you do not want to be stuck with that bill. You do not want to have to do that time. And you don't want to have to settle for something or let someone use something that you've worked really hard for. Mm -hmm. So it's, I would say this is an area of the law where you actually can take steps early on to prevent bad things later. That's in a lot of areas of the law, but especially in IP. If you don't have these basic protections in place for your business, it's, it could potentially be really bad. You could have to rebrand five years down the line because wow. someone comes out of the woodwork and says, I have seen your rights on this trademark or you're using my images on Instagram and I didn't give you permission. Or for like, if you're doing content creation and you have, don't have the basic contracts in place for someone that's on your podcast or someone that's in your, like doing ghostwriting or something like that, they could potentially own whatever they're writing and you have no rights in what you've put on your website. So there's really a lot of little tricky things that can come up and you could think that you're doing everything fine. And then later on, it's like, oh my gosh, I don't actually own this. I don't have any rights in this what am i supposed to do and that's when you get into the expensive part that you don't want to get into. so if i'm hearing this correctly if this podcast ends up shutting down it's because she shut us down because this is her rights she owns this so <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go ahead and let y'all know now. i got you <laughs> <laughs> no okay so can you walk us through what the process is as far as getting a trademark federally and can anybody in any state work with you and you know how does it work is it state by state do you have to go with somebody in your city like how does that work exactly and what's the process to kind of get that so you do not have to work with someone in your state i'm in texas with you and it's fine but i could also work with people in other states the only thing I couldn't do is work with someone outside of the country. That becomes a little different unless they want to file in the U.S., but I can't file for them in another country. Mm-hmm. To get a trademark, the first step is a search. So we've talked kind of like what it's about to get a really strong brand and trying to build it and make sure that you don't have a senior user come in later and take your trademark or say that they have earlier rights in it because you really can't argue around that. So it's really crucial that you do your due diligence and run a search first. This is to make sure that what you've been using or what you plan to use is actually available Mm -hmm. and to do kind of a risk assessment. See if this is something you want to keep going with. I unfortunately have people come to me all the time with a name they've been using for a few years and they want to take the step to register the USPTO and it's not available. And you either have to reach out to that person to see if you can buy it from them or rebrand. 
like we talked about, which no mm-hmm. one wants to do. Mm-hmm. So that's the first step is a really good search and working with someone who knows what that search means and can give you an actual risk assessment on what's happening there. The second step is filing. So you file with what's called the United States Patent and Trademark Office. And the whole process from start to finish takes about 10 to 18 months. It's not a short process by any means, still shorter than patents. Um, If you apply for a patent, you file and you typically don't get anyone to look at your application for about a year and a half. And that is not fun. But trademarks, you'll get someone to look at your application in about three months. They may issue what's called an office action where they have some kind of refusal. If not, then it just goes through and the main things you want to look out for are likelihood of confusion, which hopefully the search would see if that was going to happen. A likelihood of confusion means that someone else is using your trademark with the same goods and services. A trademark is tied to use. So I could open a company called Apple for facial tissues and the Apple that we all know couldn't stop me because they're not in that goods and services. That's not what they're offering. Now, if I tried to do a computer company for Apple, obviously they can stop me from doing that. Mm -hmm. But everything in trademarks is tied to use. So even if someone is using your name, as long as they're not offering what you're offering, you're good. But yeah, hopefully in 10 to 18 months after all of that fun stuff in the middle, you get your registration and you can start using the circle R. So I know you've all probably seen by different brands, the circle R, that's different than the TM or the SM that you've maybe seen. That's the little letters by a logo, by a name, and that's showing a trademark. So if it's a TM, that means it's not yet registered with the USPTO. If it's a circle R, it is registered. Using the circle R without a federal registration is actually a crime under US laws, which I don't know of anyone that's gone to jail for that, but technically it's a crime. Good to know. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. And I don't know if you have the answer to this. So let's say like, like the scenario you were saying that Apple, but in beauty products, you know, or hair care products, and but let's say you start operating or let's say somebody takes my brand and starts operating it in a whole different industry, but then just makes the brand look bad. There's really nothing I could do because it is in a different industry, correct? So if you are famous at that point, which I totally know you'll get there soon. Well, thank you. You can potentially stop them. Okay. If you have what's called a famous mark and there's all kinds of ways to determine what kind of mark is famous or not you can say that someone else using this name is basically harming your company's goodwill. Behind every trademark, there's something called goodwill. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a legal fiction to cover the brand's reputation and all of those intangible things that make a trademark valuable. So you can maybe stop them, but you have to get that famous status first. Okay. So what you're telling me is I need to get my 1 million followers on Instagram so that I can be famous. Got it. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> so, what do you think? Like two months? Oh, I wish. <laughs> I've, it's been two years to get to a thousand. So, <laughs> um, okay. So, oh, there was something else I was going to ask you. My mind just went blank because I wanted to to touch on that aspect of it. So, See, I think that's a special skill of lawyers. We talk so much about boring legalese that you forget what you were going to ask in the first place. <laughs> that is my special skill. <laughs> Oh, love it. Love it. This is bugging me now because it was a it was a great question. So, okay, patents, you can go to jail. 
Um, kind of to recap, you can go to jail if, if you use the, the circle R. It takes 18 months and you can protect yourself. And this I is like your uh, scaremongering podcast. Yeah, it's not your inspirational one. It's like, do this or you're. But, but this is something that, you know, I see a lot and I get asked about a lot is, hey, you know, what about my brand? And people don't, you know, they don't understand that it's an asset. I mean, it does have monetary value to it. And we want to make sure to protect it and protect yourself as much as possible in case something does happen or in case somebody does try to rip you off and use it or or something like that. So, wow. Do Um, you want to hear a fun trademark fact? Yes, I do. Okay. You can actually trademark a smell. What? (laughs) Yeah. There are things called scent trademarks. Oh my goodness. And they're so infrequently used. There's currently only 10 registered in the United States. The last time I checked. And one of them is actually for Verizon. They call their scent a flowery musk. Oh and they plan God. to put it in stores in the future. Oh my so if you walk in to a Verizon and you smell a flowery musk, <laughs> just know that that's trademarked and don't steal it. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So if I actually had an office, I could trademark a smell. You could. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like this. I yeah. Like this. The weird part of that is you... It, it just can't be part of what you're doing. So if you're a perfume maker, you can't trademark those. But yeah, yeah, if you wanted to put a random smell in your office and say, I am claiming that no one else that does what I do can put this in their office, that's an option for you. Hmm. (laughs) What is regular air smell? I'm just playing. (laughs) Oh, goodness gracious. I've never done one, but I, I have to imagine it's really fun to probably I think you have to send a sample into the examiner um, of the smell and it's got to be a fun process so if anyone out there wants to try that I'm on board (laughs) I want to try this I'm kind of curious I'm not gonna lie to you I'm a little bit curious I just have no idea what that scent would be because because a lot of like perfumes or any scents end up giving me headaches so We'll see. Hmm. I'm going to think about that. I'm going to think about that. You know, okay. so it happens when you have sometimes a little bit too much, too much time and a little bit extra disposable income. You, you trademark <laughs> smells. So yeah, you and I can get the 11th smell. trademark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for coming on. If people want to get a hold of you, where can they find you at? So with the Dickinson Law Offices, our website is ddiplaw.com. And then if you wouldn't mind, I'll put down our email and phone number in the info for this podcast. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, just send it my way. We'll drop it in into on the bottom. And yeah, that way you guys have access to it. So Catherine, this was amazing. Thank you. This was just a bunch of information thrown out there. Like you said, it wasn't that inspirational, but this is something that's <laughs> really needed to talk about. And thank you so much. I mean, we've had several conversations already, but I learned a lot just by listening yeah. to this. I know I know the audience is really going to get some value out of this. So, all righty, well, guys. I like to joke that I handle this boring stuff. <laughs> well, you know, and it's funny because I handle the boring accounting and tax. So that way, you know, I, I'm just, I happen to be one of the creatives in a boring space. So <laughs> there's not very many of us and we're, we're, we're different people. So, <laughs> but uh, all right, guys. Well, Catherine, thank you again. And guys, y'all have a wonderful day and we'll talk to y'all later.